Welcome aboard, TTA travelers. Whether you're a humanoid, a robot, or an alien passenger, we hope you enjoy your trip along Tomorrowland Transit Authority's Super Skyway. Now is the time, now is the best time, now is the best time of your life. Little orange bird, little orange bird, in the sunshine tree, in the sunshine tree, won't you think something sunny just for me? friends and welcome to the WDW radio show your Walt Disney World information station I'm your host Lou Mangello and this is show number 142 for the week of October 25th 2009 thank you so much for tuning in once again this week the big news this week from Walt Disney World is the debut of a new show and a new princess as Tiana's showboat jubilee starts this week in Liberty Square in the Magic Kingdom. The live musical production based on the Princess and the Frog animated film starts with a parade processional that leads to a show aboard the Liberty Square riverboat. There, Princess Tiana, the first new Disney princess since Mulan debuted in 1998, leads a cast in a fun-filled musical show. And rather than I describe it all to you, this week I uploaded a preview video to the iTunes feed and the entire show video to WDWRadio.com. And while Walt Disney World guests are being treated to a new show this week, sometimes we lose some of our favorite attractions, shows, shops, and restaurants as new ones are introduced. So this week, we're going to take a look at the top 10 things we miss at Walt Disney World. I'll play more of your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, And enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. When Walt Disney said that about Disneyland, one could only surmise that he would have felt the same way about his biggest project to date and one that he unfortunately never saw completed, Walt Disney World. And as each of these parks grows, along with growth comes change. And with that change often becomes, there becomes a necessary byproduct, as it were, which is the replacement of some of the old with some of the new. And oftentimes, that change is for the better, as advancements in technology and the introduction of new franchises and characters brings new and exciting attractions and shows to the parks and resorts. But alas, along the way, 
Many of our favorites from our childhood or even recent years gets lost and we're left with nothing more than our memories, maybe some home movies, and possibly a small nod or tribute in modern day attractions. But while things change, they also say the same, because when it comes to top 10 lists, one thing remains constant, and that's that I'll likely be joined by the man who puts the celebrate in Celebrations magazine, Tim, I'm still not Samantha Brown, but boy, I want to be Foster. I knew you'd sneak her in there somewhere. It's been too long. First of all, it's been too long. You said you get bananas. Well, that's because I've been just a huge... Aren't you glad I didn't say banana again? (laughs) (laughs) It's been too long since you've been on, and it's been way too long since I've mentioned the name of Samantha Brown. Which one did you miss the most? Samantha Brown. I knew it. But, you know, honestly, (laughs) this is is an historic episode for you, Tim, because... This is your two-year anniversary since your first appearance back in October 2007. Wow, you're old. Uh, Me? (laughs) That was, uh, I think the very first one we ever did was the top ten spookiest moments in Walt Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. So. An oldie but a goodie. Much like you. Much like you. So. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for the memories. (laughs) (laughs) And now I have some bad news. No, I'm kidding. So um, so speaking of, uh, of memories, uh, the top ten we're going to do this week uh, is the top ten things that we miss about Walt Disney World. And, and I want to start off by saying that this list is not, at least on my end, I don't know about how you You don't know feel. what I got cooking. It's not that I'm angry or that I'm mad or that I'm disappointed or anything because I've always felt, and I've said this for a long time, that Walt Disney World is not a museum, and that's why I used that Walt quote to sort of kick this off, because I do believe, and I think it's a good thing, that it's always in a state of change, and it's always trying to improve, and with recent announcements and things that have been going on and will be going on over the next you know three to five to seven years, I think it's very exciting when things change, and sometimes we have to let go of the nostalgia and the memories to a certain degree. But sometimes it's hard. It is hard. It is very hard. And as we go through this list, you know, we may shed a tear or ten. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I also, as we go through this list, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably allude to this here and there. I wonder, Tim, how many of the things on our lists would still stand up in the if they were here in the exact same form if we saw them today? Or do we miss them simply because they're not there anymore. And I started to think back about the Adventurers Club. You know, there was a huge outpouring of support when it was announced it was closing. Where was everybody before it closed? You know, there weren't always lines out the door. The same thing with Horizons. And I'm giving away one on my list. You know, Horizons never really had a huge line out there. Of course, now that it's gone, there was like, hey, I'd be riding Horizons all day, every day. Well, you can say the same. It, it was on my list, but I took it off. But Journey into Imagination, the same thing. I mean, I miss it, but well, I think one of the reasons I loved it is because I could always walk on it, and you still can. So, you know, I guess you have to try some things if they're not quite as popular as you want. So they're, they're probably a little more um, memorable in hindsight than anything else. But we'll see. I and I, I think that is- I still miss them, but 
you know. Right. And there are things on my lists that I miss, and I will admit it's out of pure nostalgia. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like if it was there, it would be my must-do every single time. Um, and, of course, like every top ten list, we've got to stop calling this segment top ten because there will be more than ten. And I'm going to let you know ahead of time that I do have many, many that I'm going to yeah, blow I, through. I, I, the- I tried to keep mine to five, but... Uh- well, because there's there's a lot that I, that I miss, and I think that... Um, I want to sort of mention some of the things on my honorable mention list to maybe rekindle that memory for a listener who might say, oh, you know, I do remember that and I and I love that or, or I wish I would have had a chance to see it. And that's what happens with a lot of these things. They say, you know, I, I didn't get into Walt Disney World until 2000, so I never rode Horizons or I never saw the original incarnation of Journey into Imagination, whatever it might be. Oh, the humanity. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, who gets to start now? Well, I gave my I gave one array, one away already. Why don't you continue talking about it then? That can be your first one. Because I I said horizons, um, and, and I've got to say, and again, <laughs> I, I wonder if it would hold up to this day. Uh, but at the time, I, I love the attraction. It it single handedly helped make Epcot for many years when I was a teenager my favorite park because I loved. The, the view of the future, the optimistic view of the future and the tie back to the carousel of progress and the great technology that was not only used in the attraction in itself, but was seen as what may be coming for the future. And, and two words for you, Tim Foster. He- orange, orange groves. Choose your own <laughs> ending. Come on. What was the ending of choice for you? I was always a big space guy. Ah, um, there you go. But, yeah, but but I like the land one too. See, nostalgia and the and the <laughs> and the song. If we can dream it, it's an anthem, Tim Foster. It's an anthem for the future. It's your anthem. It is my anthem. Is I, I almost broke out you in song. Sing I almost did. I almost you did. should. But uh, ah, again, chicken. horizons around from 1983 to about 1999, not 90-ish or so, um, very much one that I know is very high on people's lists. I know when I did on the show a very detailed look for like an hour and 45 minutes on Horizons, that was one that seemed to resonate with a lot of listeners. Yeah, I know. I, I, I miss it a lot. I miss all the slower rides that are now gone. Um, you know, Horizons, World of Motion, all those things, and um, you, so you, you just know, mentioned two already. Just so you know, you was just... one on your? No, I'm piggybacking. <laughs> and World of Motion is not on my list, by the way. But I'm, I'm uh, jumping on the your Mandela, Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> now I will say it's it's one of those, and it's one of, it's one of those you understand, I guess, because I guess at the time, you know, Epcot was devoid of thrill rides and. You know, we've seen that's we got to get some of those in there, and um, yeah, Horizons was tough because I like I love space and laser blasters and starships and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the prospect of Mission Space was exciting until I got in it the first time and turned green. Although I'm thankful now I can get on it and take the chicken course and be okay with it. But so, do you I, think? So let me ask you this: Do you think Horizons would stand up today if it was just? Put back in where it was, exactly the way it was, same music, same technology, same animatronics, same ride vehicles. 
do you think it would stand up today and be as popular an attraction as those who miss it so much feel it would be? I feel like it would be as popular as Journey into Imagination is today. <laughs> probably. Okay. I mean, it would probably be just as popular then or now as it was then. Um, which, you know, does beg the question, should they have something else in there? And, you know, I worry about still Journey into Imagination because it's still, uh, you know, a walk-on pretty much any time you want to go, which is great if you like it, but, you know, it makes you wonder how, you know, how long are they going to let that go considering... What happened to the horizons and world emotions of the world that needed to get a little spiced up to kind of get some more people in there? So, to me, it would hold up. I would ride it every day. But I'm uh, apparently an old fuddy duddy that way. I like the I like the slow ones. So, but now it's going to go upside down. That's all. And well, that, then I'm out. See, that's so. the one thing I fear every time they redo a ride like Haunted Mansion. I was petrified they were going to put a corkscrew in there. Thank goodness. They didn't. <laughs> All um, right, so number five on your list. Four, you, since five you mentioned on my, that. Hey, well, you I'm met, sticking to the future. You just mentioned Journey to Imagination, that wasn't World mine. of Motion, and Horizons. That wasn't mine. But they that don't wasn't go ahead. Mine. Move on. No, you can go. That's all right. No, no, I, no. I no seriously, put good. Give me the first well, one on your list. Well, there's because there's one I'm not too sure about. Well, anyway, we'll jump into it. I was sticking with the world of tomorrow slash yesterday with mine. Back into the Magic Kingdom. Uh, you loved it. You hated it. I loved it. Alien Encounter. I miss very much. Um, I know that's a that's a little corner of the Magic Kingdom that's seen a lot of change over the years, and uh, you know, admittedly, being a kind of my Disney experiences start in the ni- early '90s. Um, not overly familiar with the older older attractions that were in there um, that I would remember, but did Alien Encounter a lot when it was in its heyday, and. Uh, Really liked it. I mean, it scared the bejeebies out of me the first time I went in there, and the last time I went in there. But um, I love the spectacle, love it. I, I know some other people on this show have some not so great thoughts about the attraction that currently resides in that building, Lou. Um, but I, you know, I find it pleasant enough. But but I do miss Alien Counter. The only thing I can think of as I go through Stitch now is seeing all of the same scenery and and the same animatronics and remembering what they were like back in the day when it was a little scary a little creepier and i think a little more interesting than than it is today that being, what you, you're right i do i think that stitch uh is the you the love most, stitch it's not that i don't love stitch i think there are elements of stitch that i like i think the animatronic which you mentioned i think the stitch animatronic is great i think the robotic arms are excellent um, do I think the story is the strongest story in Walt Disney World? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I certainly don't. And, and the whole chili dog thing, you know, when you start throwing in the burp jokes to get a laugh from kids, <laughs> I, I think that's that's cheating. It's cheating a little bit. But what I will say is that on my exceptionally long honorable mention list, I did have not just extra ter- terrestrial alien encounter, but really as one... I had lumped everything, everything that was in the current Stitch building. So I had Flight to the Moon from 71 to 75, Mission to Mars, and Alien As a kid, when I saw Flight to the Moon and Mission to Mars, I just thought it was the most fascinating thing in the world. Simple throwaway technology of just putting a screen on the floor and a screen on the ceiling 
and seats that expanded and contracted and rumbled a little bit made right. you think that you were taking off, you know, into outer space. And as a, as a geeky kid and a geeky adult, that so very much appealed to me. Uh, and that was a big highlight of Tomorrowland for me. It was funny because I, I know um, Alien Encounter had the stigma of being a little too creepy and too scary for Disney. Um, it didn't really bother me that much. But I will tell you, even to this day, the, the walking into Stitch, if you don't know what's coming, is still scary. Last time I was on it, I was sitting, there was a family next to me and there was a little girl who was uh, five or six years old. And she was terrified walking into the into the chamber. And as we sat down, she was ready to cry. And for everybody out there, I did not scare her. It wasn't me that did it. It was the, um, you know, the specter of what was coming. And I don't think the family had been in there at all. And I kind of leaned up. She, the first thing she said was, we're going to go way up, aren't we? And I had to reassure them all that we don't actually move. And it was all good. And um, once the chili dog hit, she was okay. Even though they have toned that down quite a bit, which I'm grateful for. But So... But hey, as long as you're in Tomorrowland, two for one, I'm throwing in right now. It just happened, but I miss the old TTA spiel. And I'm going to go on record and saying it now. And I texted you the first day it came out and I heard it and I was... It, it's not a question of not liking the new versus the old, but I'll just say I'm nostalgic for the old one. And I'm um, not even sure if everyone knows what we're talking about yet. So Yeah, you did text me. Um, after riding the TTA a, a couple of days, really, after I had left and yeah. ridden the TTA, um, and the narration was the same as it has been for seemingly eons, um, and you you asked me what was going on and, and about the new narration. I've since heard little snippets of it online because I want to wait, I want to hear it, and I want to see it and experience it for myself. Um, he asked me if it was too soon, and no, I mean, because it seems to be changed and not so sure everybody is really digging the new change. That being said, I will reserve judgment on it until Space Mountain is open, until the Skyway building construction is done, because who knows, is this a temporary placeholder? Will they go back to something? Look, nobody loves the Star Tunnel music more than I do. It's on my iPhone, it's on my computer, mm -hmm. um... I probably play it at the intro clip like once a month for the show because I enjoy it that much. So I, like you, hope that we don't lose certain elements that I, the, the references to Tom Morrow and, and the party from Saturn has arrived. Give those little jokes and those little references that we've come to know and enjoy so much. And again, that's why this list is hard because we, we do get attached to some of these things. I do hope remains or comes back. Well, if, if it doesn't come back, I'm going to wear a T-shirt. says, I'm from M31. Where's my ride as protest? Or, or <laughs> and do you know that nobody there is going to know what the heck you're talking about? <laughs> well, those who know will know. And then, you know, you'll, you'll cross paths with someone. They'll look at the shirt and look at you. You'll get that nod and you'll know. Well, I'll ride it anyway, but I'll miss it. So. Well, you just Maybe I'll just bring – I'll find an old recording of it and just put headphones on and listen to it myself. Once so. you start calling it the Wedway People Mover, that's when you'll get the love and respect. <laughs> yeah. But I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I'm um... – So, but I say hopefully, hopefully it's temporary where it is. It's not. But we'll see. We've 
been, I'm, I'm we didn't know this one hear. was coming, so who knows? Yeah, I'm interested to hear because it, it changed with sort of no notice. It just you know October third, yeah, whatever it was, it was just it was different. Kind of, it was on, then for a day it was off, and then it was you know the new one. And obviously, you know, we didn't know it was coming, so maybe we're not sure what's coming in the near future, and maybe it's temporary while Space Mountain's being put back together again. So we'll see. Excellent. I um, the next one on my list. Well, you know what? I'm going to go over to something that you, you made reference to already because let, let's talk about the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And it is the original Journey into Imagination, specifically the loss of the Dream Finder and, mm-hmm. and the Dream Vehicle and the one little spark and the entire story and the message and, and everything else, the scenes from that original incarnation of Journey into Imagination. As a kid, Tim... I was fascinated by that, and that was a ride that I could go on over and over and over again, and I love the character of the Dreamfinder, and certainly had such an affinity, like many kids kids did, and I think some kids to this day still kind of do, to Figment. I mean, he was that first new character created for the parks, I think, since the Orange Bird, who, by the way, is on the honorable mention list, and <laughs> it was such a unique attraction in in so many different ways um so yes i very much do miss that i was heartbroken when they changed it to the second version and Mm -hmm. even when they brought figment back um i've ridden this attraction many many times sometimes multiple times in in a day to try and see if i could get myself to enjoy it the way i remember enjoying the original version or trying to watch it through the eyes of my children or other people's children or first time riders, but it just, it's missing, forgive this obvious pun, that one little spark of something that made that original version so very special. <laughs> and, half, and half the building is closed. I mean, half the. Be- yeah, the- I, missed, I missed the upstairs a lot. That was. That was a good time. What you have now in the post show area is nothing. Like what yeah. is supposedly all sort of pushed together in a corner upstairs with the neon tunnel and, and the, the interactive things the that made you use your, your imagination. Um, yeah. I mean, it was like a free arcade up there, basically. Yeah. You could go there just for that. I, I remember it was. Yeah. And I missed the white room. But ah. it's on YouTube somewhere. Shh. Don't tell anybody. But it's not the same. It's not the same, and and we'll talk about the fact that a lot of these things are preserved only in that way, but um, I I will let you go on to your ninth one on your list. While you wipe away your... My tears. Pigment tears. (laughs) All right, my next one... And I almost broke into song one more time. I almost. (laughs) This next one's kind of strange, because it's not... This is kind of a... This is very much of... I don't mind the new version of this, but I kind of miss the old version... And I think uh, I have a lot of people that either agree or, or disagree on this one. And it's e-ticket night. Hmm. And what I miss about it, I mean, you have you have um, extra magic hours now, which are great. They're fantastic, and they're free, and that's why they're probably better than they were back in the day. But I remember when it was actually a ticketed event. It was what twelve dollars or fifteen dollars or whatever it was. And, I mean, if you were okay paying it, and we figured on top of the gazillion dollars already spending in our vacation, what the heck. I do remember it being nicer in that 
it being a ticketed event, it was a limited ticketed event, and they would sell out, and they would only sell a very small amount of tickets. And I remember being there on those nights, and, and the parks really would clear out. You really could ride everything over and over and over again. I read Splash, wrote Splash Mountain so many times I got bored with it. And frequently, or on occasion, that's still the case today, especially if you wait around long enough during Extra Magic Hours, it'll start clearing out. But I have noticed the last several times I've been to Extra Magic Hours, since pretty much everyone can go, it, it's just become a lot more crowded. You know, if the parks are crowded during the day, it's probably going to be crowded at night during Extra Magic Hours. And, and while it's still, you know, if you're going and there are Extra Magic Hours, definitely go to them. But, um, but it, there's something a little less to them, and that, and that there's just more people there now, and it's not quite parks or all kind of closed off to ourselves and even with the few the amount of people there once you're all spread out you really have a lot of the parks to yourselves in the old days and and i kind of miss it in that respect although i you know i add it is nice now and that it is free and that more people can go to it so from that perspective it is better but i miss kind of the it's my own party kind of feel that we had in the old days yeah there was definitely much more of a sense of exclusivity to it and not that when I say exclusivity, I don't mean, you know, riffraff, get out. We, I've got the park to myself. But it was that I'm paying the premium. I can basically get on these attractions without waiting. Yes, extra magic hours, you can do that. But you really need to wait a few hours first yeah. before a lot of people start to clear out. And, uh, you know, the things I like about extra magic hours is when the park is normally open till midnight. It's now open till 3 a.m., now you're talking. That's that's right. Lou Mangella witching out there. So you know, I'll be, I'll ride Haunted Mansion till two o'clock, leave and and go to Waffle House afterwards. Only only because there's nothing else open on property. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, and it's tough because I know for families that are really on tight budget, it is a good thing. And I'm not suggesting they go back to it. Um, but it's just it's like going to the Christmas parties or Halloween parties now. There are ticketed events and a little more, although they sell a lot of tickets, but. Um, I remember in the old ticketed events, though, it would, to your point, it would clear out really quick, and you wouldn't, you don't have to wait that long before you can get to, you know, virtually walk on Thunder Mountain if you want to, that kind of thing. So, so if they brought e-ticket nights back and charged that premium, fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was twelve, fourteen dollars years and years and years ago. It was so now, like that. so now, what would it be? Fifteen dollars, seventeen dollars. Yeah. Do you think? That would play. Do you think now guests would be saying, hey, you know, what are you doing? Are you are you nickel and diamond me here? And all I'm getting, I'm not getting anything other than a few extra hours to ride rides. I'm not getting, you know, cookies and photos with Santa and a new parade like I'm getting for the Christmas party. Right. I'm just getting some, you know, extra ride time. Yeah, it may be something that couldn't come back unless they you know, decide, hey, we could make money if we charge people to do this, but that's that's a cynical point of view. I don't do that. And, but, and, it, uh, and it punishes those people who are, not not punishes, but it is tough for that family of four, five, or six people that yeah. really had to budget and now they, you know, if if they're getting kicked out at seven o'clock when this is, they only have a couple days in the Magic Kingdom and they have to pay extra that might be hard. That might be hard yeah. for some people, especially in this economic climate. You know, uh, maybe there's a, a maybe you have a possibility of doing both. I mean, just like now, you um, 
you know, at this time of year and during the holidays, you have extra magic hours plus the ticketed parties on certain nights. Not you everybody. Know. Look, not every family can roll like the Fosters. You know, you got all that guy no, to the I'm magic you money have coming. Extra in. magic hours if that's what you want to <laughs> do. If you want, like, if you want to go to the not so scary Halloween, there's you can do that. But there's also extra magic hours a couple nights later if that's all you want to do. Maybe, right. you know, maybe they have a once in a while extra magic hours e-ticket kind of night just because. So what am I saying? Just kick everybody out and give me the park to myself. That's what I really want. So. <laughs> Again, you, you got that guide to the magic money rolling in, so <laughs> we see how the Fosters fly. So. Now, I said it's a con- I like I like both. This was one of those where I'm not saying the new version's really any better. I just kind of miss some aspects of the old. So, okay, you're really trying to get me in trouble. Huh? I am. <laughs> I can't believe him. He doesn't think anybody has any money. What is he between you scaring children and wanting to kick? I everybody? didn't scare. In fact, I call- I made her laugh, and she enjoyed the ride very much. So, and, and you know what. So calling it stop your letters. Calling it kick out the riffraff night is not appropriate, Mr. Foster. So get that so off I have your to get list. rid of my T-shirt that yes, says that. Exactly. <laughs> you have some very interesting T-shirts in your closet. Obviously. Yeah, well, they keep getting banned all the time. Uh, I'm going to um, to go somewhere, where, and I wish I had a T-shirt for this attraction because one of my favorite attractions as a kid and. Uh, Again, from a sentimental point of view, like I, my, my parents love this ride, not just because it was free, but if you had wings in Tomorrowland, was always one of our favorites, always like the thing that we did last before heading, heading down to Main Street. And again, like Journey into Imagination, the later incarnations of If You Could Fly and Dream Flight just did not have that campiness and that fun and that unique aspect to it that if you had wing wings had uh, i remember some scenes so vividly not because they're on youtube but because i laughed every time i saw the guy holding the swordfish that grew and and shrank back and forth as the wife was getting closer and the different scenes in south america and again and now notice for the, the three things that i've mentioned so far one thing that's been a hallmark of all of them is the music. The Journey to Imagination, One Little Spark, If We Can Dream It at Horizons, and If You Had Wings, which again, I'm not going to sing, you know it, you love it, all had great music uh-huh. in it that still, again, remains on my iPod and on my computer to this day. You're such a tease. <laughs> sing something. <laughs> I can't. I know. You're just going to play it in the background like you always I do. I can't. No, but great. Now I have to play it in the background. because. You, <laughs> but, I mean, now, was if you had wings, was way before Foster Palooza began? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, however, with, with my next one, we seem to be spending a lot of time in Tomorrowland because my next one is also in Tomorrowland. And, and this is another case where I don't mind the current attraction at all. I like it. But I do miss previous one and i know there were others before it but i missed the timekeeper and it was one of those it was an odd one i felt like i was really the only one that liked it because it was a pretty much all the time i was there was always on a seasonal basis it was open it was not open um i I just enjoyed it i i I love the animatronic uh um the the robin Robin williams i mean robin williams rhea perlman Star-studded cast in there, actually. Um, the thing I, I like the the final scene 
when we we got to the city of the future, I, I was always fascinated with. I always thought that was amazing. Um, I say well, it wasn't my favorite attraction in the world at the time, but it, it was something I always enjoyed, and and I miss it. And that's not to say I don't like Monsters Inc., even though they picked on me one time. And I didn't like that, but um, but at least last time I was there, they picked on the guy next to me mercilessly all throughout the show, which was. I kind of like that, but um, um, but that, you know, I, I do like Monsters Inc. But you know, I really did like the Timekeeper, and it to me, it, it just evoked the mood of Tomorrowland, like the the retro future vision of tomorrow. It, it kind of brought that all together to me. And uh, well, I, I mean, of course, because you did have the appearances by. H.G. Wells, Jeremy Jules Irons, Verne. by the way, yep. uh, <sighs> Jules Verne's Michael Piccoli. Spaceship uh, Earth, don't get me started. But well, listen, slow down, bucko. I've got many things <laughs> on my list. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but you did have that edutainment element in there. I enjoyed this attraction not just for Robin Williams at the beginning and the Rhea Perlman slash from Cheers, uh, Nine Eye. But I liked the technological aspect of it. I was always fascinated by the Circle Vision films, and I was fascinated by how well this one was done. Um, you know, Magic Carpet Round the World and all those other things. Great, mm-hmm. but I, there was something about this one that, again, being a geek and, a, you know, I, I really always enjoyed. And uh, like you said, though, Tim, it was never very crowded. I don't know if it's because you had to stand slash lean on the lean rails. There was no place to sit. People didn't get it. Um, it could have been that, that roller coaster in that white dome nearby that kind of kept pulling everyone away. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, because really this went till about about 2001 or so. Yeah. And like you said, it was really much of uh, on a seasonal basis as well. So... Um, and again, this yeah, is taking nothing away from the laugh floor. Right, this is taking nothing away from the laugh floor as well. But the other versions of it, too, it's not just an American thing. The other versions in Paris and Tokyo also closed. I think Tokyo's closed around 2004. Paris is closed a couple of years before then. So, But I, the film was great, and unfortunately, you can get kind of a full version of it on YouTube, but certainly you're not getting that 360-degree view. A little uh, difference looking at a two-inch wide window on yeah, your screen. Yeah, exactly. A, exactly. And I like the bubble tubes in the in the uh, queue area, too. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and a great queue. A great queue yeah. area as well. Yeah. So. And I, I mean, the, the queue is, is still nice. You can see elements. Again, like all these, it, you can still see elements of it in there. And to someone who misses it, they just kind of make it a little more nostalgic. Oh, I remember when that was the you know, the tube in the in the timekeeper queue. And rumor had it was for years up until like a month or two ago, the timekeeper animatronic was actually being stored over in the Skyway building, which mm. they've now demolished the top level of. Um, mm. So wonder where wonder where the timekeeper is and, and wonder where he's going. Maybe he became Stitch. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. He's too, he's too tall. <laughs> Insert easy short joke here. Okay, so moving on to um, to my fourth on my list, or my fifth on my list, I don't know. Um, fourth. <laughs> again, you made reference to it, so I might as well go somewhat out of order 
and tell you that I do very much miss the old Spaceship Earth. Uh, Walter Cronkite, Jeremy uh, Irons, I think they both had a very unique, but something that was uh, a parallel between the two of them was both narrations were very powerful in their delivery. And I think that now, and this is no, this is no insult to Dame Judi Dench, who does a wonderful job, but I think it really is more so about the script, which was altered very much. And I get the sense, I don't want to use the word dumbed down. I think it was tailored to be more appealing to a younger audience. It tried to be more relevant. But when you talk about things like, you know, the world's first backup system and the very first time, Tim, I heard her say, do you remember when you learned your ABCs? Yeah. Thank the Phoenicians. I looked and I, I said, what did she just say? <laughs> and I wrote it again. I said, okay, I, I'm going in jaded because I missed the old attraction. And I, I understand and maybe a younger guest that will make a better connection for them for the educational aspect of it. Um, but I think it took away some of the romance, as it were, yeah. that I had of that original version. And, and I can hear in my mind Walter Cronkite, and this is not my Walter Cronkite impression, but he, when he said, for eons, our planet has drifted as a spaceship through the universe. And for a brief moment, we have been among its passengers. And then both versions, and this one is something I know, it so is lacking that when you get to the top of the sphere and your vehicle turns and there's there's that reveal of planet Earth in both the Irons and the Cronkite narrations, there was that moment. There was that powerful moment. Talk to me, brother. And and you're missing it here. And it, it's yeah. lost. It's, it's very much lost. And it's a, there's almost no payoff when you get yeah. there and then the descent is the decline literally and figuratively because while I understand the interactive element of the screen that's something I would have liked to have seen rather as a post-show element because you've got a lot of space there and I think that covering up those other scenes that were there was a loss it was a loss and a loss of scenes. space so yeah. lost in space what'd you say? <laughs> a loss of space now I'm with you. Those scenes, I, I'm every time I go on, I miss them more and more. The city, I, I've said this over and over again on this show. The city of the future, I, I miss that so bad. That was one of my biggest magical moments anywhere in Walt Disney World was seeing the city of the future and the music that played. And I know people, and somebody sent me the music, and I'm very grateful that they did. And uh, yeah, I miss it. I've actually taken to at the end, and even throughout telling the screen I speak Japanese or French or something <laughs> just to change it up. And I will recommend this to people and they probably catch on real quick but if you're there and you're going a couple times the first time through answer the questions you honestly would but this, if you go on it again answer them like totally different because um, you may be inclined to just type the same things over and over again but it, for what it's worth it does change the ending a lot if you kind of go off on different tangents. It's not just subtle changes it does take on a lot of different things i'm really trying to make the ending work i, <laughs> look, I mean look it's, it's fun and it's funny and it's cute and especially for the the first time visitor um for the international visitor obviously now they they can appreciate it because it, it's in their language and, and you become part of the attraction and then at the end you can see yourself on the globe outside and, and i get it i do and yeah. it, it does 
have its appeal and it does have its merits, especially from a technological perspective. But again, we're talking about the attractions or the incarnations of the attractions that we miss. And I think the old Spaceship Earth was very much of a different attraction than what we have now. And for that reason, Jeremy, Walter, you will be missed. You are missed. For eons, our planet has drifted as a spaceship through the universe. And for a brief moment, we have been its passengers. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship, our planet has sailed through the universe of time. And for a brief moment, we have been among its many passengers. So. Ah, uh, see, now you're making me cry. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I live for. All right, well, now I'm really going to make you cry, because <laughs> for a totally different reason. Um, this one's out there. This one's uh, hang on with me, folks, on this one. <laughs> I was waiting for that, Tim Foster. <laughs> I'm going over to the Wilderness Lodge, and we're going to have lunch. And we're going to go over to the Whispering Canyon, which this... That, that's still there, you know. Now, listen, listen. <laughs> I said hang with me, folks. Oh, gosh. <laughs> This is very much what probably of all of the things on my list. This is what's the biggest there stretch now. ever. No, well, yeah. But, now for the for the way the Whispering Canyon is now, we love it. We go there every time we're at Disney. Uh, we love it, partially because we've always gone there. Um, think the food's great. We think the fun is great. The atmosphere is a lot of fun. If you're into that, yeehaw kind of thing. Um, but what I miss the most, um, back in the day, uh, as if anyone not familiar with Whispering Canyon, they specialize in barbecue type style food. And back, you know, many years ago on your table, you used to have a big selection of barbecue sauces, all different kinds. You'd like apple smoked and hickory and bacon, all kinds of different ones. And it was really neat because if you got the the barbecue all you can eat big pan or whatever you got you got to try all these different barbecue sauces and and I, what I miss is they don't really have that anymore you have your you know, your bottle of ketchup your your whatever and that kind of thing and the and the the flip side of them not having that anymore and I don't know if I've told this story before so stop me if I have but back when my daughter was really little she got chicken fingers or something and asked for ketchup and this was in the day when you had barbecue sauce, and we care about our barbecue sauce. And asking for ketchup was an evil thing. And making a long story short, they made a spectacle out of it, and every waiter came by with ketchup. My daughter ended up with eight ketchup bottles on the table, and it was a lot of fun. And nowadays, you ask for ketchup, you get your bottle of ketchup and all that. So it's a stretch. It's one of those little things, but I miss the barbecue sauce. And it might be there if you ask for it, for all I know, but it was, it was kind of neat just having it there because it was... Food I never really ever had day to day, and there it is in front of me. I I just am am, am shocked at the role <laughs> reversal because you well, were the gosh. first one to talk about food, <laughs> and then you pull hickory, hickory apple smoked barbecue at Whispering Canyon out of and flaming, and I miss the flaming tenders, chicken strips, which made me sweat even on the coldest day. Ah, oh, good stuff. But they still have the best cornbread there. They do. They do. And they'll bring you extras if you ask for it. And you know what? And Maybe still, we need... if you bring a, if you had a large iced tea, you'll still get a big glass pitcher of it. It's good stuff. 
Look at how excited you're getting. Well, I, I'm going to take you to Wilderness Lot to um, to Whispering, Whispering Canyon, Canyon, and we'll, nice. we'll have dinner there. I, I just I I refuse. You can if you want to, but I refuse to participate in the pony ride contest. But you can. You have to do it for. Come on, for the show. I'll video well, I made, it. I made animal noises once when they asked if anyone makes an animal noise. That's only because you wanted your barbecue sauce. Well, I didn't get anything for it, <laughs> other than a wave of the hanky and a. And a Marshall Zeke button or something. All right, I am going to. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the Magic Kingdom, and as you can mm-hmm. tell, I am uh, I am partial to that park. I am very much nostalgic, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm also going to pull a typical Lou Mangello top ten, and I'm going to lump a number of things uh-uh. into one because I think I think you have to to a certain degree. And what I miss about Walt Disney World. One of the things I miss is the old fantasy land. I miss Mr. Toad's Wild Ride across from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and being able to walk through the plaza and go and see dozens of animatronic classic Disney characters over in the Mickey Mouse Review. Aw. That's all I get is an awe. You never saw Toad, did you? Yes, I did. Uh, but I like I like Winnie the Pooh. So, and again, none of the things on my list are meant to be you know pot shots at what's there now, except for Stitch's Great Escape. But uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I did. I, 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 I loved Mister Toad's. And again, you want to talk about a unique attraction in its message, in its theme, in its ending, where you die and go to the flaming pit That's of Hades. But it was so fun. And again, it was that campy and it was so... The beauty was in its simplicity. I mean, there was nothing, you know, crazy about that attraction as far as technology goes. You've got painted 2D cardboard backdrops and an attraction that on its track, you know, bounces you around a little bit. But that yeah. was it. But it was the message and it was the unique aspect of that ride that whether you got on the left-hand side or the right-hand side, you got two different ride experiences in Mr. Toad. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, obviously a huge favorite of mine. I'm going to spend hours talking about this on the show one of these days because, Tim, I bought into it. I I bought into the fact that I was climbing down into this real submarine and don't spoil the magic for me, but we were going underwater and I was seeing all these things and we were going on this you know, long journey, and I know I was 27 at the time, but but I did. I bought into it, and again, <laughs> the simple scenery underneath um, of the mermaids and going to Volcania and the great narration by Pete Renaday, um it was just I, I thought it was such a fascinating attraction. And again, same holds true for Mickey Mouse Review because you've got all these classic Disney characters coming out and coming together in these little vignettes, singing classic songs. You Even years before Splash Mountain, you have Br'er Fox and and, uh, and Br'er Rabbit uh, singing Zippity-Doo-Dah there, led by conductor Maestro Mickey. Um, again, great, great uh, attraction that was lost to PhilharMagic, and again, taking nothing away from PhilharMagic, which I enjoy very, very much. Of course, other aspects of the old fantasy land, yes, include things like the Troubadour Tavern and, and the Skyway and 
some of the things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I miss. Give me, give me Fantasyland circa nineteen seventy three, nineteen seventy four ish. I'm good to go. See, this is what this is one of those where they need. See, it's not. They need to have it all there because it's all twenty thousand leagues I miss. Although, admittedly, this it was a little before my time. It was pretty much closed and done with by the time I started really going to Disney all the time. But you know, but I'm a big Winnie the Pooh fan, and I love Mickey's Philharmagic. It's one of my top pick a number, uh, you know, attractions. So uh, that's one of those where you can. Keep the new one. Just put the old one next to it in another building, and you know, put so, Toad next to Winnie the Pooh, and then put, you know. So let me it. ask you this, because I know, and Fantasyland was a choice, not just because I do miss it, but it was also deliberate because of the recent announcement yes. about the doubling of the size of Fantasyland. And although in Fantasyland proper, you don't, we're not going to lose very much. I don't think Tim, you have necessarily a, a an affinity for. Ariel's Grotto, maybe you have it for Pooh's Playful Spot, but Toontown is going to go away. I mean, we are going to lose, for the first time, albeit what was planned to be a temporary land, all of Toontown is going to go away. And granted, the new Fantasyland is going to be spectacular. Um, Call it what what you will, that it's geared more towards girls. If you've seen the concept art, if you've seen Mm -hmm. the videos of Jay Rizula's presentation, I mean... That is going to blow people away. But again, 10 years from now, are you going to have people going back and saying, man, I really miss Mickey's Toontown Fair? Yeah. I don't know. We shall see. I, I'm one of those that, you know, I hate to say it, like the Toontown Fair was never my, I got to go there first part of the park as it was. But um, and this is one time will definitely tell what, what comes out and what happens. Will we love it? Will we miss things? I said, as you said, hopefully a lot of it will not disappear, but you know, we shall see. Don't take my Philhar magic away. They're going to actually replace Philhar magic with the Wolverine uh, meets the X Men backwards, upside down roller coaster just for you. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what I wake up drenched in sweat, fearing. It's, oh, they're gonna. I don't. You know what? I, I'd pro- I'm, I'm, listen. I would. I think yeah. it's pretty much a safe bet. You're not going to get the Wolverine X Men backwards, upside down roller coaster in the dark, where Mickey's Philhar magic is. So that's funny. I was with somebody on Soren for they were on the first time, and I told them, "Don't worry, it only goes upside down three times." But it why wasn't do you a like child. the torture. Why do you torture I people so? I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't a child though. So. <laughs> it was a grown up. I'm going to strap you on a gurney, and I'm going to bring they you on Everest at talking. night. And I'm gonna oh, make gosh. you. I'm gonna make you ride that with me over and over again with a with a churro in your hands, screaming like a little. You want to get that on video? Don't. So, all right. So, where are you going next? Uh, all right. This this legitimately is a thing I miss the most. I'm uh, I'm actually I'm still in resort land. I'm switching resorts. I'm going over to the contemporary. I miss the Grand Concourse before it changed radically. Um, I remember, I, I believe I've talked about the Concourse Steakhouse many, many times. That was our absolute favorite restaurant for a lot of reasons. Among It was one of the first ones we went to. The spectacle of having the monorail go over you was something we never forgot. The Being in the whole 
contemporary, again, kind of back to a Tomorrowland thing, the whole retro future kind of feel was going on. Um, I, we also like going to the Outer Rim and just relaxing and sitting there, just looking out the window. And then the whole other side, which was basically empty. Uh, you had BVG on one side and Fantasia store on the other side. Fantasia store, which my daughter adored, which is now an arcade. Um, we just found we. This is the first time we were there. It was one of those, the first time you saw it. It just took our breath away, and to us because it was something we experienced one of the first times we were at Disney. It, it really spoke of Disney to us. This is what it's all about. This is something I never see in my day to day life. This is, you know imagination gone wild, the vision of tomorrow, that kind of thing. Um, we like just going over there and relaxing. We loved the giant Millennium Snow Globe that was there for a while after the Millennium came and went. Um, but we just liked that it was quiet. You could wander around and just absorb the futuristic ambiance of the place. And, and of course, as you know, a lot of changes have taken place there. Concourse Steakhouse is gone. There's a food court there. I mean, it's very nice, it's very pleasant, the food is good, but it's, it's not the same to us anyway. It's, it's not, we get to go in, have a really nice meal, sit in a cool futuristic booth with George Jetson salt and pepper shakers and have uh, filet and cream spinach. Yes, I'm sure I'll get lots of cream spinach for Christmas. <laughs> um, we loved shopping over there when it was quieter, more relaxed. Now there's a whole big shopping area there and it's all... Hannah Montana, Jonas Brothers, Dowd all the time, and um, and to us the feel of the concourse is just totally changed for us. Where it was a relaxing place to go and experience Disney, now it's just kind of a noisy place with lots of people eating and shopping and and that kind of thing. And and that is one probably of anything on my list. That is one thing that I have truly truly missed once they changed it. And I understand why they changed it at, at spots, but um, I still liked it the way it was. I will tell you that the um, the contemporary is on my honorable mention list um, for similar reasons, although I was making reference to another part of the contemporary resort. And this was purely for nostalgic reasons, because as a kid, this is where we stayed. Um, this is where my parents like to stay. It was obviously only one of two choices on property. And there was something very much about the contemporary that we all loved, not just the fact that it was a monorail ride away. But when on the lobby level, they took away the Fiesta Fun Center, mm-hmm. Tim, they took away a piece of my childhood. Oh, they did. I could see little Lou. Hanging on to his change purse. He did. You could see little Lou, and (laughs) I had my little roll of quarters, and I would spend hours there. Not that my parents were bad parents and just dumped me in the arcade, but they would go upstairs to the top of the world or wherever they would, you know, whatever they would do, knowing that I was safe down there, playing games and having something to eat and going to the movies. And I loved, you know, again, being when I was born, it was so retro with the browns and the oranges and I remember it I mean vividly not because I've seen a picture or a video of it but because I remember spending so much time there at night as a kid um, and then when my brother was born bringing him down there with me and and look love the wave great restaurant but again um, I know that today maybe kids aren't spending um, 
time in arcades the way they, they were when I was a kid, but that was a, a great place to hang out and meet other kids and, and have a great time. And it was part of my Disney experience. So Fiesta Fun Center, um, I, I have my hand on my heart. Yeah. I, I, know I, the, I truly do miss you. <laughs> I know the one thing, too, about the contemporary that we... We missed the deck, you know, the decor of the of the whole place, including the guest rooms and and the lobby. I remember when we were first going there; it was very much a. I keep saying retro futuristic, but you know the the George Jetson vision of the future, the vision of the future from the fifties or sixties. You know, it wasn't really what was there; it was just kind of what you thought. You know, the the bright colors and the odd shapes and things like that, and. I know that having redone the decorations in kind of a, however you want to describe it, like a contemporary New York chic kind of thing with, you know, the dark woods and the brushed metal and all that. I, and don't get me wrong, I, I like it. It looks fantastic. I, but it's not, it's like it, it is today. It's, I can go to the, you know, Sheraton or whatever and see the same decor. And I guess it's modern and futuristic. I, the only thing I worry about is many years down the road, is it going to be dated? Because it is kind of a a trendy look. Whereas the decorations before, they were just out there. This was, you know, sci-fi stuff. And that that's one of the things we liked about it, because it kind of took you to another, a different world. And, and it's a little different now that the decorations are very nice, but not that uncommon either. It's stuff you will see in a lot of places. Right. And, it's very ultra-modern. Right, very yeah, contemporary. Yeah, but ultra modern is something you see anywhere, and I like it. Um, but I miss the, uh, you know, the old fe- feeling like you were. The, the thing about Disney I always liked is you felt like you were in not just a park and a hotel. You were in a whole other city. You were in a whole other community, and I got that with the old contemporary. Not so much with the new one. Although I still we still go over there a lot and like it, but. Just nostalgic for the old days. Well, it's okay, because once those rooms get dated, they could just slide each of those rooms out and slide a new one back in. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously making reference to when they built the Contemporary, it was built like a chest of drawers. They built the frame, and then they basically slid in each of the rooms pre-decorated, pre-wired, pre everything was all set up. They literally picked it up on a crane and slid it in. The thinking, or the potential thinking at the time, was that Yes, if we needed to, we could eventually just slide these out and slide another prefabricated room in, not taking into account the fact that the building would shift and settle and any chance of getting those slid back out, if that was really the plan. Um, yeah, I don't think they'd place. come back out. No. It'd be like a big Jenga pile or <laughs> so, something. <laughs> but um, I do, uh, I, I actually had, I had six on my list because I was convinced that you I were going to Well, take... you know what? I'm kind of done, so I'm going to kick up my feet, and we're going to start the segment of the show we like to call Lou's Honorable Mentions. Take it, Lou. Well, at least you know what's coming. <laughs> at least you know what's coming. Uh, and the reason why I want to do this is because there are a bunch of other things that came to mind. I, did, I, wasn't, I didn't have to research this. I didn't have to look anything up. These, these are things that came to mind. And one that was actually number two on my list, Tim, Behind Horizons, and I jumped because you were alluding to some other things uh, on my list, was not an attraction. It was not a restaurant, believe it or not. It was not a resort, but it was a store. And again, I very much missed and was sad in 1995 when they took away. I know what you're going to say. The House of Magic. 
That's the man. I had you read. I um, it is a it is one of my vivid memories as a child of going to Walt Disney World because again I knew and I know I'm sharing personal stories, but on the way out when we would leave the Magic Kingdom, my dad would take me into the House of Magic and I would be able to get something, a little novelty, a little mask or a book or a puzzle or whatever it was. And I can see in my mind's eye what that store looked like with the masks on the wall and the the glass case and the dark woods and something so very unique, like many of the shops at that time on Main Street. You had things like the, the Wonderland of Wax and the Art Festival, and you had a flower shop on uh, on one of the, the side streets. Uh, you had a tobacco shop, believe Whoa. it or not. Yeah, back in the 70s, it was a tobacco store. One of my favorite collectibles are a couple of cigar boxes with Walt Disney World logo burned into them. Um, that house, and they still have that sort of cigar tobacco-y smell to them. But the House of Magic... And I know that there was a Merlin's Magic Shop in Fantasyland, which was similar, but not quite the same. And I remember vividly that that dark green look on the outside. And it now is where the Main Street Athletic Club is on Main Street USA. But the House of Magic um, very, very much had a place in my memory and a place in my heart. And it was something that still to this day I miss. I miss those unique shops on Main Street USA. So do you want me to – I'll quickly blow through – my honorable mention list. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm right. Disney cigars for Lou. I'm working on my Christmas list. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Um, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I alluded quickly to the Orange Bird uh, mm-hmm. over at the Sunshine Pavilion. The Orange Bird was actually a walk-around character, and he, he was seen on a screen with Anita Bryant and at the, when the old Florida Citrus Growers sponsored that. I missed the Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes. You mm-hmm. want to talk about... A simple pleasure, a unique experience where you were the attraction because you and the 17 or 18 other people in the boat were responsible for getting that canoe around (laughs) Tom Sawyer Island and navigating your way so you weren't getting crushed by the Liberty Bell riverboat. Um, I also mentioned unique rides, the Skyway. Mm -hmm. Incredible views of, and again, being a geek, Getting to look at the tops and, and sort of a bird's eye view of Fantasyland and Tomorrowland uh, in Epcot, I very much miss, and I've talked about this on the show before. Communicore, yeah, uh, I think it was it was much more interactive. <laughs> what was planned for it was exciting. What was there was exciting. Uh, truly showcasing new technologies again. I'm not taking anything away from interventions, but this Communicore really was the true Main Street USA of Epcot. I remember making dinner reservations over video phone. Right, was which of, was, was like, kind of intimidating, though. But it was that was really neat, and yeah. But that was showcasing that kind but of it, new technology, it was which cool. yeah, but I mean, it was fascinating at the time. Now we have to use this telephone thing that people keep talking about, but that's so old school. That's so. 20th century. Now that you have an iPhone, you just feel like you were the coolest <laughs> kid in Pennsylvania, I know. That's so. right. Um, shooting over to World Showcase, I loved the music. I loved the the interactive aspects of it. I loved the, the costumes and the performers in Tapestry of Nations and Tapestry of Dreams. Would love to see a parade come back yep. to the Promenade and World Showcase. Um, shooting quickly over to the studios, I'd love to see a working studio at the studios 
I miss the name Disney's MGM Studios. That's only because you're I, used to calling it that. <laughs> I can't get used to calling it Hollywood Studios. I miss River Country. I miss oh, River Country. Oh, I can't believe I forgot that. And I also miss Discovery Island. No, let me hit River Country because I can't believe you said that. I totally my, – my daughter and I – we're not really big on the big water parks because I'm chicken. But um, my daughter and I, we love to go to, to over to River Country. We would go there every trip and spend hours there. You're right. And, and actually when we, we – when we, um, even if we're not staying at the Wilderness Lodge, we'll do the boat circuit to contemporary to the campground of Fort Wilderness. And then we go right by it and we look – and oh, remember that, and it was there. And oh, thanks, Lou. Now you got me. See, if you want to start uh, weeping, man, that's podcast. Gold. All right, well, I'm going to take a break here. You need to. I got to collect myself. Continue. Uh, a couple of other islands that I miss. Uh, I miss Discovery Island. I miss Pleasure Island. I miss the old Pleasure Island, the original Pleasure Island. Um, I, I miss Captain EO. I miss Captain EO. I w- I miss. The funny aspects of World of Motion and that unique building and all that was. Um, I miss the Plaza Swan Boats and would love to see something like that come back, giving you that little sort of guided tour of the Magic Kingdom Adventureland and and the hub using the watercraft. Um, I miss the sitting area down there not being a smoking area. I, I... yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing all the smoking areas going away. But um, very quickly, I, I also miss I miss the old ticket books. I miss the A through E ticket books, and I don't know why. I don't know if See, it's a I sense of nostalgia. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's having that thing in your hand and and, and handing it in, or, or running up to the kiosk to buy one more E ticket so you could ride twenty thousand leagues under the sea just one more time. Um, Back to the, I, I, I miss an interactive show type attraction like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Play It, where you could not only play the game and potentially get on stage and potentially win something. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And finally, sort of an all-encompassing thing, I miss many of the live acts that used to perform decades ago, especially in the Magic Kingdom, even in Epcot. Too, to a certain degree, the Pearly Band, the Fife and Drum Corps, Christos over in Epcot, JP and the Silver Stars, the Adventureland Steel Drum Band, all those kind of interactive, uh, small little wandering bands that you can see throughout the Magic Kingdom, I think added such a, a wonderful element, um, such a, a, I don't want the word to use, it's almost like a comforting aspect to it. I see a lot of that still in Disneyland with a variety of the acts they have there, and I wish there was more of that still in Walt Disney World, because I do remember sitting there and listening to JP and the Silver Stars in, in Adventureland and seeing um, some of the other... There was, I don't know you wouldn't remember, Tim, but there was like a Keystone Cop-style band that played on Main Street. Um, just very, very different from what you'd find elsewhere, and they were very much themed to the different lands around uh, the Magic Kingdom. So you, uh, while many of these, Tim, or all these obviously, are are gone, fortunately, you can't take away the memories. And thankfully, a lot of these are preserved online because of guests who took their old Betamax and their VHS tapes and they shared them with 
other people through places like YouTube because it doesn't seem as though, unless Disney just hasn't shared it with us yet, that Disney maybe didn't record and document this or, or share it with us. Um, so we're able to sort of relive and rekindle those memories through what people are sharing. And then obviously today, in today's age, fans and enthusiasts are preserving everything and there's just so much of it too. So when something does go away, we know there'll be at least that left out there for us to experience it. Well, I'm taking a TTA. I'm sorry. What way people over? Um, ride on YouTube as soon as we're done here. <laughs> so. Well, I'll give it time. Let's give it time and see I and, uh, and, and see yeah. what happens. So it, um, it's always fun, a little bit sad, reminiscing like this about uh, what's gone. But like I said, I don't look back with any sort of anger or any sort of sadness that these things are gone because I do look to the future and you wonder what's next and you think about things like Fantasyland and Star Tours and what may be coming next to Disney's Hollywood Studios or what other resort may be coming next. Uh, you know, so... That, as a fan, I you know, I have my faith in Disney that the changes that they make are, are hopefully going to be for the better, and uh, and that makes me excited about what the future brings, although if they want to bring back the House of Magic, no problem <laughs> on my end. Well, we'll start a petition. Let's see what we did the show about the top ten things they changed that we did love, see? So it goes hand in hand. It might, maybe it's time to go listen to that show again so I can feel better. That's right. But, and, and we uh, we have a... <laughs> but I'm with you a lot. But the future is exciting. As always, is. the but. future has arrived today. And the, and the funny part—I want you to break of, out in song, and you, you don't—you're <laughs> not biting. No, a lot of the changes are, are personal, and I, I guess looking through a lot of these, a lot of them were for no other reason. They were nostalgic because they were a lot of things we talked about, especially things I talked about were things I experienced when I first started experiencing Disney World. Like I know, I know a lot of people probably are gonna think of. Barbecue sauce? What? <laughs> Is he out of his mind? But the only reason that was special was that was one of our very first experiences. And um, and same for you. A lot of stuff for you sounded like things that were happened when you were little. So, um, you know, a lot of people might have or are going to definitely have their own and might disagree on some of the ones we had and have their own that we wouldn't even think of. But that's that's part of change. So and that's, Again, that's like part, all these lists. So. They're, they're very, very subjective. I mean, clearly things we miss, or we're talking about things that you and I miss, but again, hoping that as somebody listens, they say, oh, you know, I do remember the Orange Bird, or I do remember the House of Magic, or, you know, I think that my mom still has some of those old A through E ticket books or whatever it might be, or let me see if I can whip out the old 16 millimeter, you know, video that my dad took when I was a little kid and, and uh and hopefully preserve those or, or rekindle some of their memories. And again, like all like all these lists, Tim, I would love to hear from listeners about some of the things or maybe that one thing that they really miss in Walt Disney World. And they can email me or even better yet, you can call the voicemail at 888-703-2171. Leave us a short voicemail message. Tell us what some of your memories were or the things that you miss. And uh, Tim, we have many, many, many more top tens to come um we struggled with which one to select for this week but um real quick celebrations magazine issue seven by the time that this airs should be 
we pray, in everybody's mailbox. And uh, issue eight, pretty much almost done at this point. Yeah, I'm coming <laughs> probably in December or so. Got a lot and, of uh, um, got a lot of unique stuff coming for issue eight. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that issue when it hits. Now, do we have upcoming events we might want to talk about? You're clearly reading over my shoulder, Tim Foster. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Well, then yes. I, won't, I won't steal your thunder then. Not at all, because I want you to talk about what's taking place in December. As you guys know, I always do a WDW Radio Meet of the Month, and that's going to continue through to the end of the year and hopefully throughout 2010. Always have a great time meeting you guys. And uh, so Tim and I got to talking about maybe doing something specifically for Celebrations Magazine, and especially because we very recently just passed our one, our, our really our first year anniversary and wanted to hopefully meet up with some of the readers and subscribers and contributors from Celebrations Magazine. So, Tim, tell us what's going on. Uh, well, in December, we are going to have our first, first of many, we hope, Celebrations Meet. And it's going to be on um, Sunday, December 13th, if my date is correct, at 2 o'clock. And uh, we're just going to meet in the France Pavilion at World Showcase, towards the left, off in the garden somewhere. Um, nothing fancy, just a chance for all of us to get together, say hello, talk about anything we want to talk about, and say hi. But I said, hopefully this will be the first of many events we'll have, and um, who knows what we'll do in future events. But we look forward to seeing as many people as we can on Sunday, December 13th, and it should be a good time. I like the tease. I like the tease about stuff going on in the future. And look, get there early. Since you don't even know what I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. <laughs> Bring your Celebrations magazine. Queue up early for Tim Foster so he can sign your magazine for you because it's a rare, rare occasion that we get Tim Foster out signing uh, his beautiful handiwork over at Celebrations. So. Now, I have another little um, announcement, and I'm, this might be a little surprise to you as well. Lou. Lou's going, oh my, what's he going to say? <laughs> I'm so nervous. <laughs> you want me to no. handle the Photoshop duties for celebrate? Uh, thank you. I'm happy. Yes, to- <laughs> please, 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 please. Um, if anybody's not sure of his Photoshop ability, I have a cover concept of his that we can put up on the website if anyone's interested. So, um, No, we've been asked many, many times about reprints of previous issues that have sold out. And we have slowly but surely been making our way through and trying to get them out as we can and um, the news coming out, I'm not sure exactly when this will happen but I hope this will happen very soon is that our first holiday issue which was our second issue we're hoping to reprint very shortly in time for this year's holidays so when that happens which should be hopefully a matter of a few weeks or so, we'll announce that officially but I know a lot of people have asked me about that. I'm sure they've asked you, Lou, about that as well. For a lot of people, it's the only one I don't have. Please make it available again. Um, That should be coming available shortly. And we have others that are sold out, and we're working on those too. But we thought that would make a a nice Christmas present, having the holiday issue available one more time. So hopefully by November or so, we'll have that available. Uh, You know, I was just going to say... Surprise! You know what, Tim? You're like Santa. You're like Santa Claus, or or one of a, just you just made I think a lot of people very very happy because yes, I uh, I can tell the people who are camped out on my front lawn with with you know flaming torches and pickaxes waiting for issue two to be reprinted that um, 
you are going to open up the the, uh, the printing press. Open up the vaults. Open up the vault and uh, now, and get actually. I should say too, because I'm not sure everybody is aware of this, but issue three has also been reprinted. That's our Tomorrowland issue, and that was also out of print for the longest time. Um, we did get a bunch in not too long ago, but in between shows and issues and trips down there, I'm not so sure we officially announced it beyond putting it up on the website or anything. So if anybody is not aware, issue three is available. So if you are missing that one, you can order that one today. You know, you just completely devalued the one I had up on eBay. So, <laughs> kids, you're not going to eat again this week. Just so you know. Uncle Tim blew it again. <laughs> ruined it for everybody. So, but you can Foster. still auction off issue four, which is still sold out. But we're working on it. Excellent. So. Excellent. Lots of exciting stuff going on. And again, for more information about Celebrations Magazine, to subscribe and order your back issues, you can go to Celebrations Press. Dot com. Also, we're always looking for contributors, whether it be a photo, a story idea, a letter to the editor, anything at all. You can go to celebrationspress.com, use the email contact link there. Don't forget to also go and visit Tim over at guidetothemagic.com, where he has what I think, Tim Foster, is arguably, certainly, one of the most beautiful, interesting, informative, and entertaining books about Walt Disney World, The Guide to the Magic for Kids, The Lost Journals, you've got the sticker book, the autograph book, all kinds of good stuff like that over at Guide to the Magic. And uh, as always, my friend, these are lots of fun. We will definitely do one again. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in France. I'm, I'm going to get there early so I can get online. Well, I'm sleeping in, so hold the fort down for <laughs> me. Oh, I'm kidding, of course. I'll be there probably at 9 o'clock in the morning, begging them to drop the rope so I can get in there. Please wear a yellow shirt again, by the way. Just for the bananas well, I, fostered. How could, how could I not? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks again. All right. Thanks. That's all the time we have this week. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I hope you also go to WDWRadio.com and check out the full video from Tiana's Showboat Jubilee. Great new show that just started in Liberty Square in the Magic Kingdom. Big thanks also to my guest, Tim Foster from GuideToTheMagic.com. Definitely go there. Check out Tim's Guide to the Magic for Kids book, The Lost Journals, and so much more. And of course, Tim, as you know, is my partner on Celebrations Magazine. You can go and visit celebrationspress.com to order back issues to subscribe. Or if you want to contribute an article idea, a letter to the editor, a photo, anything at all, you can go and visit celebrationspress.com. Big, big thanks go out to everybody who took time out of their day or out of their vacation and came by the meet of the month. It was this past Saturday over at Disney's Hollywood Studios at the Backlot Express had a really good time just standing around and getting to meet so many of you. Thank you all so, so very much. I love doing these things. And it looks like the next meet of the month for November is going to be Saturday, November 14th. I'm still trying to lock down the exact location and time, but you can kind of pencil that in on your calendar if anybody still uses pencils and or calendars anymore. And uh, in the next week or so, I will definitely give you 
further details, don't forget, for December, it's going to be Friday, December 11th. And then we're also going to have a Meet for Celebrations magazine on Sunday, December 13th. That is going to be at 2 p.m. over in France. There's more details in the forums and over on our Facebook fan page. You can let us know you're coming there. And speaking of which, you can find links to all that, as well as my my Twitter feed over at www.radio.com. I am twitter.com slash Lou Mangiello. That's the best place to get instant updates. I post throughout the day as well as play games, have special Twitter-only contests and specials. Definitely check that out again. Twitter, Facebook, all those right on www.radio.com. If you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or if you want to be heard on the air, you can call the toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171. Big thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including Becky and her team, over at Mouse Fan Travel, All-Star Vacation Homes. You can go and visit them over at All-Star Vacation Homes slash Radio, and Chantel and her team over at dvcbyresale.com. As always, my friends, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word, let others know about it, come by, chat over in the forums at WDW Radio, join the fan page on Facebook or follow me on Twitter, and most of all, everybody, I wish you the very, very best of weeks. Take that first step towards following your dream and always, always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Sharon from the suburbs of Cleveland. And I just watched the interview with Art the Greeter. Oh, my. That was that was great. That was just wonderful. What a heartfelt man. Um, I mean, I, I always think that this is what makes Disney, is the um, so many special cast members um, that put so much into their job and that they just really care. And um, I really regret that I never have met him uh, in person and experienced him. And um, But it was just really nice to um, to see the video and to experience it. And it's, it's, it would be great to have a big, huge card and send him a great thank you for all that he's done. And thanks again for the show. Good night. Hi, Lou. It's Trish calling from Canada. I just finished listening to your episode 139, October 4th show about the Adventures Club, Food and Wine and Expedition at Everest Challenge weekend, and I really enjoyed it. It was great to hear how well your event uh, went, especially at the Adventures Club. I uh, had actually attended Disney World myself and participated in Expedition Everest last year, and uh, I really wanted to join you out there this year as well, but unfortunately I had a conference in California, so I couldn't attend. But I did take your advice, and after my conference I uh, drove up and went to Disneyland for the first time. And before going, I listened to your show 58 back in March of 2008, where you described your first visit to Disneyland, along with Jeff Pepper and George Taylor and Eric Hollister, And I have to say, I wholeheartedly agree with just about everything you said on that episode. Disneyland, of course, was fantastic. So much different from Walt Disney World. I had been so many times to Walt Disney World and really thought it would be 
pretty much the same, and it really was so different and so unique and so special. I'm so glad I went. So thank you so much for sharing all that uh, you do, all the great information on your shows. They just keep getting better each week. So keep up the great work, Lou. Cheers. Hi, Lou. This is Amy Kidd calling from Asheboro, North Carolina. I just got back from Walt Disney World this past week. My sister and I went for our birthdays, and we got to wear the button, get in free, and Goofy even sang happy birthday to us on the phone in the American Pavilion at Epcot, and it was just a really great trip. Um, I wanted to call and tell you, though, that I've been listening to your show for about a year now, and my parents pretty much got tired of hearing me every day in every place that we stopped. Uh, Lou says, <laughs> and they basically just wondered who you were and how they could meet you and put their face with the name. But anyway, I just want to thank you for all of the great information that you give about Disney World, and it just makes me so excited and feel like I have part of the magic crown on home. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Lou. Glenn from Alabama. I haven't called in a while, but I just got finished watching your video on eating around the world at Japan in the World Showcase and just love the video. I have not ever been back in that pavilion, and uh, the video was very good, very funny, and very informative and entertaining, and so thank you for that. And also wanted to thank you for the work that you do on the show. Uh, being from North Alabama, I don't get down to Disney World anywhere close to the amount of times that I would like to get down there, uh, largely because of the money, but of course the distance has something to do with it. Uh, but like you, I share a passion for, for Disney World, and I would just really love to be down there, you know, all the time. And, uh, you know, your shows really help bring that to me since I can't be down there. Um, and I listen to your show on the way to work and back. I have a, a fairly short commute, but, but enough time that I can get probably uh, a quarter to a half of your show in, on, you know, one way. And, uh, you know, the other day I was going into work, and I really didn't. It was one of those days I just didn't really want to. To, to go in there and uh, kind of was hoping to stay home with the with the family and just kind of do some things, wasn't really having a, you know, it was one of those Mondays. And I listened to your show on the way in, and it just really cheered me up, and I was ready ready for work by the time I got there. And uh, I appreciate appreciated that and wanted to thank you for that. And thank you for all the magic that you bring to us. You can't get down to Disney as much as we really want to. So thanks a lot. Hope you have a magical day. See ya. Hey Lou, this is Beth and Rick Anderson from Michigan. Hey Lou, how's it going? We are here at World Showcase enjoying our second day of the Food and Wine Festival. And just stopped here to give a little thanks to you and to Deanna and the group that did the video because we're enjoying our mojitos from Puerto Rico. And we tried them because you guys said they were so good. So. Mm, delicious. <laughs> so Delicioso. Here's cheers to you. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, Lou, it's Corey. Thank you for, so much for answering my email. Um, but the reason I called was because on the 140th show, the first segment was the music from the parade that was shown, and that was in 1994, which means that was my first trip to Disney World. And I was only two years old. But the reason I remember that was because my dad filmed most of the trip, including that parade. And, um, of course, I've watched it many times. And... Um, so yeah, that made me happy, and I just thought I just thought that was my first trip to Disney World. So um, thank you for that, and um, that's all I wanted to call for. So um, see ya. 
Hi, Lou. This is uh, Brian from Philadelphia calling from sunny Bermuda, actually. Um, but uh, while I'm here, uh, I am listening to your podcast and uh, reading uh, the new book, uh, Ferris the Ball, uh, the story, uh, the backstory of the uh, evil queen from uh, Snow White. Uh, it's actually a really good book. And uh, actually, I did uh, uh, bid and win a um, limited edition uh, series cell uh, of uh, Mickey, uh, Donald, and Goofy from um, Lonesome Ghosts. So uh, enjoying some of the magic out here in Bermuda. Uh, keep up the good work, and can't wait to hear the next podcast. Hey, Lou, this is Kevin Quigley again. Uh, just finished listening to your, uh, your DSI on One Man's Dream. This is one of my favorite attractions in all of Walt Disney World, uh, and I absolutely love everything about it, and I'm just so happy that you and Jim Corcus took the time to go through it bit by bit and explain a little bit more. I learned stuff that I never knew, um, which is, you know, of course, why I listen to your show. So uh, thank you again. Uh, what a, a wonderful spotlight on such a great attraction that is severely underrated. Uh, and I look forward to hearing more stuff like this. Thanks again, Lou. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.